great to have you with us today, and we're going to start off doing something a little bit different. Uh, it's been a while since our kids of Crossview have been able to have Sunday school. We didn't get to have VBS this year, so we thought it would be fun to do sort of a camp song, a kid-friendly song, and teach you all the motions. And so, uh, kids, this is for you, and adults who are kids at heart, uh, this is for you too. We want to teach you this song, uh, you may already know, called Happy Day. And uh, Hannah, our resident uh, camp song expert, is going to lead you in learning the motions for the song. So you can uh, check this out, learn it with us, and put it on repeat if you're watching online and uh, have some fun together. All right, so let's try this. Happy day. One, two, three, four. The greatest day in history. Death is beaten, you have rescued me. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave Life eternal, you have won the day Shout it out, Jesus is alive He's alive And oh, happy day, happy day You wash my sin away Oh, happy day, happy day I'll never be the same Stand in that place, free at last, meeting face to face. I am yours, Jesus, you are mine. Endless joy, perfect peace, earthly pain finally will cease. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. Forever I am changed 
When I stand accused by my regrets And the devil roars his empty threats I will preach the gospel to myself That I am not a man condemned For Jesus Christ is my defense My sin is nailed to the cross My soul is healed by the scars The weight of guilt I bear no more Praise the Lord, praise the Lord oh, When my doubt and shame hang over like the arrows of the enemy I will run again to Calvary That rugged hell of hell's defeat My fortress and my victory My sin is nailed to the cross My soul is healed by the scars
Father God, thank you so much for all you have done for us and specifically for how you have nailed all of our sin to the cross, Lord, and it no longer has any power over us. God, we just thank you so much for allowing us and giving us the privilege of being able to gather together um, at home or here in person, God, and we just thank you for all you're doing to continue to sustain us in this time. And we love you and praise you, Father, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Horatio Spafford was a lawyer in the late 1800s in the Chicago area. He was a successful man with a young family and lots of money invested in properties in Chicagoland. Things took a turn in his life, starting with the unexpected passing of his four-year-old son. And shortly thereafter, in 1871, the great Chicago fire burned down many of the properties that he owned and ultimately led to ruining him financially. Two short years later, in 1873, his wife and remaining four daughters were set to take a trip to Europe. Uh, But as they were about to leave, some business came up related to zoning issues with the properties uh, that were burned down in that fire. And so Horatio sent his wife and four daughters ahead of him to go to Europe, where he planned to meet them a short time later. While crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship that his family was on crashed and sank rapidly, and his four daughters died in the crash. His wife, Anna, survived and sent him a telegram that simply said, Saved Alone. In a span of just a few years, Horatio Spafford went from being a wealthy and successful lawyer and father of five to a man facing financial ruin and grieving the loss of every one of his children. Can you imagine? As he traveled via ship to Europe to greet his grieving wife, Spafford penned perhaps one of the most famous hymns of all time, It Is Well. It opens with these words that you might be familiar with. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. What kind of man could take a beating like that? And as he sailed over the watery graveyard that housed his daughters, pen those words. Whatever my lot, it is well with my soul. Well, the hymn goes on, and the third verse says this, My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. What kind of man could pen such powerful words of hope after losing his children? Only a man that clung to the hope that only Jesus provides. The hope that no matter what happens in this life, no matter what comes your way, be it peace or deep, deep sorrow, you are forgiven and have been set free from the penalty and power of sin in your life. 
This morning, uh, we're going to be celebrating communion together at the end of our service. But before we do, I want to take a few minutes to look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. And I'm not sure that Horatio Spafford had these particular verses in mind as he penned this great hymn. But I am sure that this text is a powerful picture of the deliverance that Jesus has given us. So if you've got a Bible with you, uh, would you open that up? And to Colossians chapter 2, starting with verse 13. Otherwise, if you got your phone as you're sitting there on the couch, you can uh, open the Church Center app uh, and click on sermon notes and the uh, notes for this message, as well as the verses uh, will be in there if you'd prefer to follow along that way. If you've been part of Crossview Church for any amount of time, you've heard us talk about the gospel, right? I like to think that as teachers of the word of God, we're obsessed with preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the greatest news in the history of the world. I've heard it spoken of like a diamond, right? It's elegant and it's beautiful and you can look at it from dozens and dozens of angles and every time you do, you just get a fuller picture of how beautiful it is. And so as we look at these few verses this morning, we're going to see three facets of the gospel. And my prayer is that the Spirit would give you a deeper look and a fuller understanding of the beauty of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. Would you follow along with me as I read these three verses? Paul writes this in Colossians chapter 2, starting with verse 13. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphs over them in him. Facet number one that we see in the book of Colossians here is you were dead and have been made alive. Any understanding of the gospel that falls short of the fact that we're dealing with an issue of life and death falls short of the fullness of what Jesus has done for us. Because of our trespasses, because of our sin, that is, the things that we've done that we shouldn't do, and the things that we don't do that we should, because of that sin, we were spiritually dead. And if you're here, and if you're watching this morning, and you haven't yet turned to Jesus for forgiveness, and given your life to him, and confessed him as Lord of all, you are presently dead in your sin. Yes, we were and you may be physically alive, but we were or are spiritually dead. And people who have not been made alive with Christ won't just go through this earthly life separated from God. They will experience, Scripture says, eternity in hell, separated from the love of God, experiencing eternal conscious punishment. That's heavy. Believer, that's where you were. Unbeliever, Scripture says that that's where you are. You were dead, it says. But, believer, you have been made alive with him. Can I say that again? You were dead, but you have been made alive with him. 
Just as Jesus Christ died and was made alive again, so you who were once dead have been made alive because of him. Your life didn't immediately get easier. Your suffering didn't immediately end, right? Horatio Spafford wasn't spared the death of his children and financial ruin. But when you turn to Jesus, you get something much greater than you can possibly fathom. You get something much greater than an easy life. You get eternal life, free from the consequences of your sin. Right now, you might be going through some hard times, right? We're all going through some hard stuff right now, whether it's issues related uh, to COVID or whether it's issues because of the closing of the Rapids Mill or something going on with racial reconciliation or issues within your family or marriage or with your coworkers or maybe you have some personal health issues going on. Everything is amplified with all that's going on in our world right now. But whatever is going on in your life, there is hope. You have Jesus. You were dead, but you have been made alive with him. If you're here and you're watching this morning and you're listening to this and all this kind of scares you a little bit, right? You've realized that you've never tasted the hope and the new life that Jesus offers. I urge you to turn to him today. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's not difficult to turn to Jesus. Just talk to God like you would a loving father. Your words don't matter nearly as much as your heart before him does. You could pray something like this, Father, I'm a sinner and I know that I'm dead in my sin. Would you forgive me for the things that I've done and make me alive in Jesus? I don't even fully know what that looks like, but I trust you and I love you and I want to experience you and know more and more of who you are. And so would you show me who you are this morning? It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Then, seek him with your life, turning from your sin, but knowing that no matter how many times you stumble, no matter how many times you fall, you were dead, but you have been made alive with Jesus. Facet number one, you were dead and have been made alive. Facet number two, you are forgiven. The end of verse 13 and into 14 are powerful words of hope. It says this, He made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. All of the things that we're guilty of either doing or not doing, all of the things past, present, and future, they're forgiven. They're forgiven. There's no need to earn forgiveness or to try and re-earn God's favor when you mess up or to try to tip the scales back to your side when you stumble. Your sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and you bear it no more. When Jesus was nailed to that tree, it wasn't just his body that hung there. It was your certificate of debt. Jesus took it. 
He took it and the obligation that you owed to experience the wrath of God and he erased it by bearing it for you. You're forgiven because of what Jesus did. Some of you really need to be reminded of that right now. You are forgiven. You're forgiven. Whatever you've done, if you've trusted in Jesus, even if you just did that three minutes ago, your certificate of debt with its obligations is erased and you will stand before the throne of God in eternity forgiven, no longer condemned by your sin, but free because of Jesus. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It's the greatest news in the history of the world. You are dead and have been made alive. You are forgiven. And facet number three this morning, you worship a victorious king. Verse 15 says that he, that is God the Father, disarmed the rulers and the authorities. That is those demonic powers that accuse you and remind you of your sin and try and convince you that what Jesus did wasn't enough. God disarmed them and disgraced them publicly. The Father triumphed over them in Christ. Jesus not only defeated, but disgraced Satan and his minions in a mind-blowing way by dying on the cross. Commentator F.F. Bruce says this, He says, the very instrument of disgrace and death by which the hostile forces thought they had him in their grasp and had conquered him forever was turned by him into an instrument of their defeat and disablement. As he was suspended there, bound hand and foot to the wood in apparent weakness, they imagined they had him at their mercy and flung themselves on him with hostile intent, but far from suffering their attack without resistance, he grappled with them and mastered them, stripping them of the armor in which they trusted and held them aloft in his outstretched hands, displaying to the universe their helplessness and his own unvanquished strength. The accuser has lost his power. He's been made a laughingstock. His demons have been put to shame and disgraced publicly. It's the plot twist of everyone's favorite action movie, right? When the bad guy thinks he has the protagonist exactly where he wants him. And it's in that precise moment that everything changes and evil is defeated. Our king is victorious. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father where he reigns on high and he awaits the day when his enemies will be made a humiliating footstool for his feet. All forces in this world are subject to our reigning king, both those that are tame and those that are hostile. They're all subject to the victorious conqueror, King Jesus. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have been united to this victorious king and have been liberated from the disgraced rulers and authorities who try and tempt and try and cause us to stumble. The same 
power that was able to raise Jesus from the dead, that was able to put shame to his enemies and now reigns on high, dwells within your heart. Somehow, somehow because of his unmatched love, God allows us to share in the spoils of his victory. Somehow, because of his unmatched love, we share in what Christ accomplished on that cross. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest news in the history of the world. When we let the hope that Jesus provides penetrate the deepest recesses of our hearts, it doesn't matter what comes our way. We can experience deep in our souls a confidence in who we are because of what he has done and who he is. Professor and theologian Michael Horton uh, in the documentary American Gospel says this, the law is basically due. The gospel is basically done. The gospel isn't what would Jesus do, now go and do that. The gospel is what has Jesus done, now go and believe that. I said at the beginning of this message that my prayer would be that as you interact with these verses, that the Spirit would give you a deeper look and a fuller understanding of the beauty of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. And so there's nothing that I want you to do this morning besides worship and believe. Worship our victorious King and believe in what he's done for you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, Paul tells us about, selling, us about celebrating the Lord's Supper. In verse 26, he says that as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're going to proclaim that death together in just a moment. And so if you don't yet have uh, bread and juice or water as you're watching at home, I'd like you to hit pause right now and head to your kitchen and grab some bread or water and crackers uh, or whatever you need uh, and then come hit play in just a moment. Uh, Now that you're back, we have uh, just three quick instructions here uh, at Crossview as we take communion. First, we practice what's called open communion. All that means is you don't need to be a member of Crossview Church to participate this morning as you're watching this. You just need to be a member uh, of the body of Christ, having confessed him and professed him as Lord of your life. Even if you just did that 10 minutes ago, you're welcome to participate in communion this morning. If that's not you and you're watching, I'm really glad that you're here, but I would just ask that you just observe this portion of our service. Second, uh, parents, we recognize that you are the spiritual leaders of your families. And so if you feel that your child has made that profession of faith and is following after Jesus with their life, you're welcome to serve communion to them. And finally, uh, we'll take the elements together here in just a moment. First the bread uh, and then the cup. As we uh, take these elements together, let's proclaim what Jesus has accomplished in his death. He took what was dead and made it alive. He nailed our record of debt to the cross and has given us full forgiveness. And now he reigns victorious at the right hand of the Father on high. As we turn to the table. Let these elements remind you of the glorious hope you have in King Jesus. 
Scripture says, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, it says also he took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are so worthy of our praise and worship and adoration and belief. You sent your son to bear the penalty for our sin and when we believe in him, we are set free and experience new life. There is no love greater than what you've done for us and so we worship you now. We thank you for this time together to celebrate communion and proclaim the victorious death of Christ on the cross once again. We ask that you use this time that we've had together to nourish us this week. Father, we love you and we trust you and it's in the precious name of our victorious Lord Jesus that we pray. Amen.
So oh.